One of the memories that I love the most is taking my oldest child to Disney for the first time. I made a decision before they were even born that we would celebrate their first birthdays in Disney, Disney World in Orlando. And um, for my oldest, we took her and she had just barely started to walk on her own. And I remember um, because I don't particularly love the beach, which is odd considering that I grew up on an island. But anyway, I had never taken my daughter to the beach. She had never seen or touched sand. And my husband decided when we went to dinner one day to uh, one of the hotels over there that has like this fake beach with sand and everything that she should walk on the, on the sand for the first time. So we took off her shoes and we stood her up on the sand and I remember her little face as she felt the grains of sand between her toes and I fondly remember holding her hand as she tried to walk on that unstable sand for the first time. And I often think about that moment and I think about those experiences and those moments in life in which we need to lend our kids a hand and literally or figuratively help them stand up until they can stand on their own. And that led me to thinking about what we will be talking about today. Is your family ready for whatever comes next? As we watch our realities transform almost overnight, parents, teachers, and significant adults wonder, are our kids really ready for this new world? How can we be sure they have all the tools they need? How can we inspire, encourage, and empower them to create secure futures in an uncertain world? How can we help them design better tomorrows? Those are the questions, and this podcast explores the answers. I'm Marcia Amaro, and welcome to Sincerely Speaking. Recently, I put together the Ultimate Family Connection Summit, which will be hopefully a yearly event, and it was amazing. I had the great privilege and blessing of interviewing 16 awesome experts in anything that has to do with creating connections in your family that will give you and your kids the tools to effectively navigate the circumstances that we're facing and anything that might happen in the future. And we talked about purpose and meaning. We talked about effectively communicating and connecting. And we also talked about those little things that might prompt success and that might give you and your kids the tools to experience greater success, great, greater success in school and in life. And one of the people that I had a blessing uh, of talking to and interviewing is Judy Johnson, who is an expert in anything that has to do with something called executive function skills. I love the topic of executive functions and it's one of those things that I study incessantly that I want to learn as much as I can about because I honestly feel like if as parents we were taught more about what executive functions are, where they come from, what they do, um, and we could really grasp how important they are and the fact that our kids don't have them fully developed, it would ease a lot of the tension and a lot of the incorrect expectations that we tend to have. And it would help us get on a level where we can 
really see where our kids might be manipulating us versus where our kids might really be struggling. And we might be in a better position to lend our prefrontal cortex to our kids for a bit. So let me connect these two things together. The story about my kid walking on the sand for the first time and all this talk about executive functions. But let me start by explaining what executive functions are. So we have this area in the front of our brain called the prefrontal cortex. Within the prefrontal cortex, executive function skills are developed. Now, executive functions are often defined as the mission control center for our brain. So basically anything that helps us control process and manage some of the most basic skills in our life happens in the prefrontal cortex in that frontal part of the brain where the executive skills are developed now before i tell you what executive skills specifically do and what they are let me start by prefacing this whole thing by saying that executive skill functionings are usually not fully developed until the early to mid 20s. So you have these kids and these teens, teens that might be looking and acting in a lot of ways like grown-ups, but the reality of it is that at the developmental level, at the brain level, these skills have not been fully developed yet. So they don't really have the mental capability to manage some of these things. So some of the things that we might think are just hormonal or some of the things that we might perceive as just plain old disrespect or some of the things that we might not understand why they happen or how they happen might be a lot easier to understand and a lot easier to manage if we understand executive function skills and how they work, right? So there are three main kinds of executive functions and this comes from both my interview with Judy Johnson and the work of Dr. Daniel Siegel. Um, but it's important to understand the types of executive functions uh, because that's going to give us a greater understanding of what kinds of things we're talking about that we might need to shift our expectations on, right? So the first one is working memory. So that's the ability to actually hold information in your mind until you need to use it. So working memory includes things like holding numbers in your brain so that you can do mental math. It includes remembering that you have homework to do that night. It includes being told that you need to take out the garbage and remembering that you need to do that while you watch your TV show. It includes being told that you need to make your bed in the morning and having to remember that even the next day after you have already done a million things and slept and woken up and are getting ready to do other things, right? So working memory is a big part of the executive function skills. And it includes all those things that we just talked about. And start thinking about what areas that might affect other than what I just said while we go through the other ones, right? The second type of executive function is inhibitory control. So that is our ability to control our thoughts and our impulses. It's our ability to um, withhold gratification, right? To say, okay, I want this, but I have to wait until I have saved enough money until I can have it. Or I want my mom to take me to see my friend, but I have to be able to wait until she is finished with whatever she's doing. Or I 
just thought this thing that I'm horrible or that I'm a terrible person or that I'm the ugliest human being who ever walked the planet, but I need to stop for a second and evaluate whether that thought is really true or not. So all those things have to do with inhibitory control. And the other main kind of executive function is cognitive flexibility. So that is this ability to switch gears from one thing to the next, to be able to go from working on math to suddenly being able to work on language arts or to go from watching your TV show to listening to what your mom is telling you to do. So that ability to switch from one uh, area of focus to another, that is the cognitive flexibility. So again, the three main kinds of executive functions are working memory, inhibitory control, and cognitive flexibility. Now, if you understand that all of these things have to do with executive skills and the development of the prefrontal cortex, which isn't complete in most people until early to mid-20s. I mean, some, some people get to 25, 26 without their executive functioning skills being completely developed, right? Plus, there are some people who even as adults past the 26-year mark struggle with certain areas of their executive skin skills functioning, then you can start to understand why. You can tell your kid 20,000 times that they need to wash the dishes after they're done and they still don't do it because their working memory is not fully developed yet. And the second they hear you say that they need to do it, they forget it again. And it's not make-believe, it's not them pretending, it's not them trying to be disrespectful. If their working memory is not where it needs to be, it can literally be that quick. You tell them now, when you're done with that cup, take it to the kitchen and wash it. And then you're going to find the cup in the sink because they forgot that they were supposed to do that. And it's a real thing. Or you might find that you tell your kid or your kid tells you, Mom, I need to go to, or I would want you to take me to my friend's house and tell him, okay, I will do that as soon as I finish whatever I'm working on. And two seconds later, Mom, take me to my friend's house. I told you I would, right? Because they don't have that inhibitory control, they don't understand that they need to wait to get what they need, that they need to stop that you finish what you're doing, and that actually in coming in every two minutes, they're actually delaying getting what they want because they're making it harder for you to finish, right? Or that they might be struggling with all these thoughts running through their heads that are not positive, right? It might also help you understand that if they are watching TV and they're intent on watching their TV, you need to make sure that they have stopped paying attention to the TV before you try to communicate anything else to them. Because if you just go, hey, you need to take out the garbage while they're watching TV, they're going to go, uh-huh. It's not going to get taken out because they didn't hear you. They, I mean, they heard you, but they didn't listen because their attention was on the TV and they weren't able to switch gears from paying attention to the TV to paying attention to what you were asking them to do, right? So if instead you say, hey, can you pause the TV for a minute? Can you look at me? I need to ask you a favor. And once they have paused the TV, taken a second, looked at you, you go, okay, are you with me? Could you take out the garbage, please? Then you're 
closer to being sure that they listen to you, right? But you need to be aware that all these things are happening and that it's not their fault. They're not doing it on purpose. Their brain is not fully developed to be able to process these things the way we would anticipate or want them to. So what can we do to minimize all these tensions, to stop the nagging, to not have to be on their case all the time? Well, you can let them borrow your prefrontal cortex. You can let them borrow your executive skills. Just like when my little kid was trying to walk in the sand for the first time, I had to hold her hand and I had to let her borrow my stability so she wouldn't fall on her face, right? In that same way, you can let your kid borrow your executive skills. Or how? Think about visuals that you can incorporate where they can get organized and get the information that they need. Chore wheels, they sound cheesy, but if they have something visual, a visual reminder of, oh, I need to do this today, that is going to help them. It's not going to be automatic, and it's not that nothing is ever going to go wrong, but it's going to help them. Maybe an app that will remind them of some of the things that they need to do right? Making sure that they're really focused on you when you're talking to them instead of anticipating like the example of the TV that I gave you before, right? So thinking about what kinds of little things can you do to make it so that you're sure your kid is getting the information they need before you get angry, before you jump to conclusions, or before you set expectations that outside of the developmental range of what your kid can do, those things will help minimize the tensions and the struggles and the nagging and the fighting and the not being able to communicate and the feeling like you're disrespected all the time because now you understand they do struggle with these things and unless we help them and we let them borrow some of our prefrontal cortex functioning, we're going to continue to struggle with them. I want to sincerely thank you for joining in this conversation today. I know your time is precious and I don't take your sharing in this conversation with me lightly. There's a million other things you could be doing. So again, I want to thank you for being here with me today. I hope you have found great value, inspiration, and encouragement in our conversation today. And if you have, I invite you to share this podcast with someone else who you think might need that bit of inspiration today. I also want to invite you to head on over to marciamara.com where you will have access to tons of additional resources, including a free PDF copy of my Tough Talks checklist, which walks you through step-by-step how to engage in those not-so-easy conversations with the people closest to you. I hope to chat again with you soon. Again, this is Marcia Amaro, and this has been Sincerely Speaking.